you're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. Hey guys, uh, I am here with uh, Dalton K. Shannon, uh, who along with Wells Thompson, you're in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign for Mechaton number four and five. I'm so excited to talk about this. Uh, Dalton, how's your day going? Oh, it's going pretty great. Uh, the day job didn't kill me and now the fun stuff starts. So pretty, pretty good Monday, all things considered. You How go. about you? <laughs> pretty good. I, yeah, exactly. Day job, you know, let me leave for the day and here I am. There we go. <laughs> so, um, like I mentioned, you guys, uh, you're in the middle of a Kickstarter for issues four and five of Mechaton. Mm -hmm. Uh, for those who haven't read the series, what's the story so far? Yeah, so uh, Mechaton is a rule of cool kind of sci-fi comic uh, about a, a glove that falls from space. Uh, two siblings, Derek and Leah, discover it and find that anything they punch with the glove on turns into a giant mech that they can use to fight kaiju and other mechs and uh, evil government organizations, all sorts of good stuff. Um, so... Up until now, uh, issues one through three kind of set the ground rules for uh, for Mechaton. It introduced us to Derek, Leah, uh, Leah's partner, Hex, uh, along with uh, a whole bunch of cool mechs that uh, we, we punched a hot dog cart. We punched a house. Uh, we've we've accidentally punched a, a workbench. It's uh, we're, we're kind of getting the feel for all the rules. We're getting a feel for all the characters, and we get to see some really cool kaiju fights. So going into four and five, we get to kind of see, uh, up until now, things have been very local, very low stakes. And now people are starting to take notice about the glove and Derek and Leah, and uh, they might be finding out in these issues that they might just be in way over their heads. I love it. I love it. Um, anything else that you can tell us about issues four and five? Obviously, no spoilers, but <laughs> what are what are people getting, you know, like, what, what are we getting ourselves into? Uh, well, uh, first and foremost, the most important thing is even more cool mechs. Uh, I won't spoil what the mechs are. Uh, each mech is a cool surprise, uh, but we get great mechs, great mech fights with other kaiju, uh, and we get uh, issue four and five is like the the culmination of the first arc of Mechaton. So we're closing a lot of uh, plot threads that we've set up through the first five issues, uh, and then we get to blast the doors open at the end of issue five for a whole new world of of stories like. Uh, like I said, Derek and Leah are finding out they're in way over their head, and we kind of start to see the hints of what that means at the end of five, and uh, it, it really opens the door for for even more bonkers shenanigans in the next arcs. One of the things that I really appreciate when I was reading this, um, Derek, like, there's one part, and I think it's issue two, where, like, he legitimately freezes like he knows mm -hmm. that he should be doing something to you know help save his sister but freezes and that is fantastic in the sense just that you know he is this at the end of the day he's still like this this dumb kid who mm -hmm. you know earlier today was working at a pizza place you know he doesn't know how to be a superhero and yeah. i just that's not something that you see every day and so that was just like one of those things i really really appreciated well, thank you. Uh, that that moment was actually uh, that was all Wells on that one. Um, 
we really wanted to show because Derek is like this schlubby 20 something uh, who just really wants to play video games. He doesn't really want the world to, he doesn't want this at all. Uh, Leah is much more, uh, she wants to know about the club. She wants to kind of experiment with it. She wants to do all this cool stuff and kind of uh, inadvertently gets Derek stuck with the glove on his hand. Derek can't take it off now. So Derek has been thrust into all of this against his will the entire time. And uh, even though he's trying his best to help, he doesn't always know the best way to do it. And that's why Leah's a great kind of backseat gamer in that regard. She helps him kind of walk through it. But even when he's helping people, he gets shot at by the police in uh, the start of issue two. Like that, that's going to freak a kid out. And uh, showing that moment of hesitation is just... Um, I don't know. It, it it really does humanize Derek a little bit more. Uh, he's not like a paralyzed child, like like mm-hmm. you know, spoilers. But like he, he gets his shit together and and fights the the bug. But just that little moment, and then he actually sees how much trouble Leah could have been in if he hadn't have acted. That uh, really kind of is like, okay, I need to suck this up and I need to do something about it. Uh, little moments like that aren't ever like the the camera focus of of the the book but uh it's those moments that are in between the big camera focuses that kind of help ground and uh flesh out the the whole world so let's talk about the kickstarter i mean yeah we're we're getting you know we're getting issues four and five how you know how can people get their hands on it uh and then what are some of the pledge tiers uh yeah so uh mechaton four and five are currently we're, we're currently attempting to fund issue four and five right now. Uh, but you're able to grab all five issues. Like this is, there's never been a better time to jump into Mechaton because now you have five entire issues of story to, uh, to kind of dig through. Uh, we have digital tiers, physical, uh, in terms of just the new stuff. If you've been following us the entire time and just want to grab the new issues, or we have tiers for the catch up. If you're just now joining us, uh, we have, uh, variant covers uh, in terms of we have our A covers by our main series artist Fernando Pinto and then we have variant covers that you can uh, when you choose your physical copies you can choose either the A or the B cover to come with you uh, and then we have kick, Kickstarter exclusive covers uh, by Ile Gonzalez and uh, Lane Lloyd for issue four and five respectively uh, those are only exclusive to the Kickstarter we won't be selling them at cons or printing more than we need uh, so this is the only time and way you're going to be able to get them. Uh, move Going up a little bit, we have our uh, always popular foil tier covers. Uh, we, we love the shine on them. The interior pages uh, are on a different kind of paper, so the colors pop way more than it does on the, the standard editions. Uh, so you get those, and the Kickstarter exclusive covers actually come with the, the foil tier as well, so you're getting a little more value for that. Uh, but of course we have an everything tier, so you can grab all the covers if you want. You can even grab every cover to every issue of Mechaton that we produce. But then the the fun really starts with the Adopt-A-Page tiers that we have. Uh, since Fernando uh, is a digital artist, we don't actually have the physical Bristol boards uh, like uh, the old heads do. So uh, for the price of the art page, you can essentially own a piece of Mechaton uh, You'll get to, it's a first come first serve. So you get to pick which page you want to adopt. And uh, we put a little mention on the actual page adopted by Mitch. And uh, then we send you a one of a kind 11 by 17 print of that page 
that uh, you'll be able to display and it's yours. Uh, it, the adopt a page is, is what gets me most excited because it's, it's a way for somebody to kind of like own a piece of the book uh, rather than just the, the floppies that, that we give out. It's, it's so much fun and a way to kind of give back to everybody. Uh, and of course, then we have our commissions by Fernando. Fernando is such a, as anyone can see from looking at the book, Fernando is a gem and uh, you'd be crazy not to try and grab a commission from him. I want to talk a little bit, and this is something you brought up earlier. Um, mm -hmm. There are some genuinely like laugh out loud, hilarious moments <laughs> in this book. Um, the the first mech suit that we see is made from a hot dog cart, yes. and and Derek is fighting a giant cockroach. I mean, mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about like the creative process and and how you came up with some of these, you know, more out there aspects to the story. Well. I, I think the inherent concept of Mechaton, glove turns thing into robot, uh, is just, it at its core, is just outlandish. Uh, it's The fun of it is that you get to just kind of pick and choose what you want to make a robot out of. So uh, Wells and I spend a, a ton of different uh, writing sessions just trying to figure out, what well, what mechs are we going to have this time? E each issue, we want to have something unique about it, some unique mech. Uh, even if it's just like an issue two, uh, like the workbench, like half a mech. Uh, so the, the hot dog cart really came from uh, wanting a series of escalations. Originally, in the very first draft of Mechaton, the house from issue three was our very first mech. He punches a house. Uh, but then we decided to kind of dial it back a bit and start on uh, the hot dog cart that was uh, originally in issue one as well. Uh, and from that hot dog cart, you're able to kind of continue to escalate from a house to to a street corner to a mountain, right? Like, like you can just keep going up and up and up. Uh, so it, it's a wild concept that just engenders a sense of levity to it. Like, like nobody takes a hot dog mech seriously, but that doesn't mean you can't have a lot of fun and, and be explore serious things with it. Like, yeah, he's got a brat buster, but Derek's really scared in there. And we get to explore some real uh, human moments there. Uh, but, but yeah, it's it's just, a, it's fun to get to come up with all the mech ideas. that and, and honestly, we're just the two idiots who are like, and then the hot dog cart becomes a robot. And then we send that to Fernando. And Fernando's got to figure out what the hell a hot dog cart robot even looks like. So uh, all that design, all the... the uh, like the physical comedy that comes out of that, that's Fernando. Fernando is, has an eye for comedic timing when it comes to that stuff. And it, it really sings. Yeah. And I had no idea what a hot dog cart mech, mech would look like, but he <laughs> knocked that one out of the park. <laughs> Absolutely. And oh man, the, uh, our, I think it's the Mark five in issue five, uh, is the coolest one he's done yet. Oh my God. And, and you can see the Mark four, on some of the variant covers on the Kickstarter, the police car, that one, all cars are beautiful. I think is its name. It, man, that <laughs> he just knocks it out of the park every single time. I love it. I love it. So, um, switching gears slightly, I want to talk about one of the characters uh, that we that we meet in issue two. It's Leah's mm -hmm. partner Hex, who is non-binary. Um, I believe. Uh, chaotic nb is what <laughs> yes and that was fantastic um so and one of the uh variant covers that you're like uh your 
offering is is a pride variant. Mm-hmm. So how important is it to you, for you to see like LGBTQ representation in comics? It's it's really important. Uh, the world outside your window is quite different than what uh, Stan and Jack gave us in the 60s. So like it, to have a cast of characters that are as diverse as the people that Wells and I actually interact with in our day-to-day lives uh, that I think a lot of our readers engage with in their day-to-day lives is important. Um, Wells and I are both like cis straight white dudes. Like we, we have no uh, delusions about like exploring the non-binary experience or, or, or trying to, uh, I don't really dig into the, that aspect of Hex, but it was important to us to just present Hex as a character that is normal and accepted. And nobody really like when, when Leah mentions that uh, she has a partner Derek's first response is like, wait a second, you have a, you didn't tell me about this. It's not, it's not about Leah's sexuality or, or Hex's gender. It's, it's the fact that Leah didn't tell him that she was seeing somebody. Uh, and, and Lex and Hex and Leah's, uh, well, I guess the, I guess it's Lex. They're, they're a couple name now. Okay. Um, love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first folks. Uh, their relationship is like really wholesome. It's it's very like it, it's just a normal relationship between two people who care about each other a lot. And uh, at the end of issue four, uh, we we end up with a bit of a cliffhanger in terms of uh, Hex and Leah, uh, and you get to kind of see their their genuine concern for each other uh, bleed through. And uh, Hex. Hex being there as like this lightning rod of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ground. She she grounds the whole. Th- they ground the whole thing. Uh, because Derek and Leah are just so all over the place, and and Hex is there to to make sure that everyone isn't an idiot all the time. They want to make sure that we can actually like get the ball rolling and and uh, consider the consequences of our actions that that Derek and Leah just have no interest in at all. Uh, but it's. So yeah, it is. It's incredibly important to just have a whole cast of people that are just people in the book uh, that that aren't necessarily every single person's everyday experience, uh, and and just kind of capture capture a little bit of I don't know, people. Yeah. And Hex takes absolutely none of Derek's crap. And- none. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, they are. In in the course of writing, because originally Hex wasn't a part of the book, uh, they they came in during the process of uh, writing issue two, I believe. Uh, we we had no idea what was what was going to be happening in issue two, and then Hex shows up, and we're like, oh, Hex is great. And then we end up writing more of Hex, and we're like, oh my god, they're the most fun character to write. Like they're they're just they're dry. They they take they have no patience for anything that isn't. Uh, in their wheelhouse, essentially, like it, Hex is one of the most fun characters to write in the book. Yeah, mentioned earlier, uh, issues four and five are going to complete this arc. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of hinted at it, but like, do you have, um, do you have like more stories planned out, or you know, oh, yeah. do you, do you guys need to take a little bit of a break? Like, what you know, what's next in for Mechaton? 
Yeah, so, uh, well, the very confines of Kickstarter means that uh, we are going to be taking a little break after after this. It's It's been about three years to get out five issues uh, through the Kickstarter model, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons we've moved towards uh, double shipping the uh, issue four and five. Uh, we kind of want to. We're like, okay, we need to. We need to pick up the pace. We want. We don't want to be doing Mechaton for the rest of our lives. Um, so, this does kind of conclude that first arc, uh, where, like I said earlier, the doors get blown open and the world really expands at the end of issue five. Uh, we have about fifteen issues planned out, uh, three arcs. So uh, there is definitely more Mechaton coming. Uh, we just, as of right now, I don't know if we have a clear answer on when uh, issue six and seven are going to be coming out. I would wager sometime late 23 or early 24 is when you'll be seeing those. Uh, but rest assured, they are coming. We're getting more Mechaton. Like, the mechs can only get bigger from here. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> um, so, the first issue of Mechaton is also, it's at the end of this month, is going to be released by uh, Scout Comics on their Scoot imprint. Yes. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Oh man, uh, Scout has been just a joy to to work with. Uh, they're they're so into just just letting us kind of do our thing. Um, I mean, of course, we have our editors on on board, but at the end of the day, Mechaton is our baby, and they understand that, and they just kind of want to help it succeed as much as possible. Um, which is really gratifying to see as a creator that it's not just you know I'm not having to just do the Kickstarter the rest of my life. Somebody, somebody higher up actually believes in it. It feels good. Um, but issue number one is coming to uh, comic shops on March 29th with an exclusive cover from Fernando, uh, along with a, like a VHS, a clamshell VHS variant cover from, from Scout. So it looks like one of those old Disney clamshells, uh, which is great. I, I love all that, all the cheeky variant stuff. I love that. Um, so that will be coming March 29th, and then later this year, I would suppose, though nothing's set in stone, uh, the trade paperback of issues one through five are going to be hitting shops as well. Uh, they they only do the issue one, and then they do the trades. So the Kickstarter is still the best way to go if you want all the floppies and all the different variant covers and all that entails. Um, but if you're looking to, to check it out for the very first time, uh, and you just happen to be in your shop on March 29th, uh, it'll be there for you. I want to talk briefly. Uh, we've been talking about Mechaton a lot, which is the reason why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> but that is not um, the only thing that you guys have done. Uh, you also have another series called Frankenstein the Unconquered. What's this comic about? Oh, my God. So uh, Mechaton is, is really energetic and fun and really loose with its uh, physics. And uh, it, it feels very much like... Uh, something you tune into Toonami to watch. Frankenstein is not that. Uh, Frankenstein is your uh, hard R... Uh, well, I guess the, the simple elevator pitch is Conan the Barbarian meets Frankenstein. Like, it's Frankenstein's monster with a broadsword killing monsters in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Like, I don't know how to sell it any better than that. Uh, Frank is... It, it is very... It's way more mature than uh, than Megaton. We get to kind of cut loose with the violence a little more. Uh, we get to show monstrous people going up against monstrous odds. Uh, Frankenstein, our hero, is not not 
a hero. He's not a good person. He's a monster. And we really showcased that in our uh, our first issue and uh, really the first half of the entire series. Um, it's about revenge. It's about uh, celebrating the universal monsters and uh, barbarian fiction. It's, uh, uh, it, it is some of the most fun you can have writing comics when you get to write Frankenstein with a broadsword. So uh, yeah, that we actually just uh, we wrapped up our Kickstarter for issue number two last year, and uh, we're getting the pages finalized right now. I believe they are in the coloring and lettering process right now. So issue two should be hitting mailboxes uh, in a few months, I would say. And uh, I believe we're going to be launching our Kickstarter for issue three and four later this year as well. Uh, there's there's lots of cool stuff in Frankenstein that you're not going to see in Mechaton. It's just as over the top, but in a, a much bloodier, visceral way. So you've also got like another horror horror anthology called uh, Descent into Dread. So mm -hmm. between Descent into Dread and Frankenstein, which are on the complete opposite side of the spectrum of from Mechaton, like mm -hmm. how does your approach differ when you're writing something horror versus something more action you know, superhero type. Yeah. Uh, writing for well, both of them are essentially the same in that you're all writing is like a puzzle. Like you're, you're just trying to solve a puzzle in that you're trying to get from point A to point B in uh, the most fun way possible. Uh, and it has to make sense at the end of the day. Uh, so in that regard, you're still plugging pieces in where they need to go. Uh, but horror is much more, uh, it's got so much more of an atmosphere to it. You have to take your time with it a little more. You have to build a little more. Uh, and you can, you can really dial into certain aspects of uh, violence and uh, suspense that you can't really do in, in action adventure. Um, for me personally, uh, I tend like Mechaton is like my my sweet spot wheelhouse. Like I love writing that kind of uh, over the top, like hard PG kind of like in between PG PG thirteen kind of kind of way, where it's quippy and it's fun. Uh, so I have to stress myself a little more when it comes to horror. But uh, that Descent into Dread anthology was just Wells and I sitting down and wanting to kind of experiment with form. We wanted to see just what kind of stories we can do in eight pages uh, versus the, the long form, because we knew like if we, we can't just launch onto the scene with a hundred issue Epic, like we, we, we kind of need to dip our toes in, get them wet. And a lot of those stories from descent into dread started off as ash cans that uh, we both co-wrote and then I drew, and then we like hand stapled and went to cons and, and sold them. Uh, there was like there was Descent to Dread, which is the horror book. We had a, a an all ages adventure book. We had sci fi. Uh, we had uh, what was the other one? We had four of them. They were all fun, but uh, horror just has they stretch different muscles. But at the end of the day, you're still lifting the weight. So it's uh, yeah, I, I guess that's the best way to describe it. So let's talk a little bit about um, how you got into comics and like who some of your influences were, or, like either just growing up or just getting started into the comics business. Yeah, I have, uh, well, I, 
I don't remember a world without Batman in it. Like I can, I, I remember a world before Spider-Man. Like there's pre and post Spider-Man in my life, but I don't remember a world without Batman in it. So I've always been like enamored with uh, superheroes as a concept. And I grew up watching all the, the nineties animated series, but it was when I was eight, I found a, probably one of the last spinner racks on earth uh, at my local grocer. And there was a, a very striking John Romita Jr. Spider-Man cover. And I was like, whoa, I know that guy from TV. You're telling me I can get even more Spider-Man stuff. I don't have to wait for it to be on TV. And so I, I grabbed the issue and never looked back. I've, I've always been in love with, with comics. And when I discovered uh, the Captain Underpants series of novels by Dave Pilkey, I got to see two eight-year-olds make their own comic books and, and make their own characters. And I was like, I'm eight. If they could do it, I could, I could do that. And so I started just like getting notebook paper and making my own comics. And I've, I've never stopped making comics. Uh, I, I grew up, you know, hard into the, the superhero bubble. Uh, I've always loved John Romita Jr. And uh, through Romita, who feels like a, a modern day distillation of like Simonson and Kirby, uh, I, I fell in love with those artists. Uh, and then I discovered Grant Morrison and my life has never been the same. Uh, it's, I, all of the writing that I do probably has some sort of origin in Grant Morrison. Uh, it's it's almost embarrassing. But uh, yeah, those, those are probably like Kirby and Morrison are probably my, my biggest influences, but I've been getting really into like old Gil Kane comics lately. I've been... Uh, I've been finding a new appreciation for uh, like the Kubert brothers and, and their father. So uh, comics in general are always inspiring me all the time. But, but as a kid, it was, it was probably honestly Captain Underpants that was like, okay, this is what it is. This is how I can make comic books. So in a roundabout way, we have Captain Underpants to thank for Mechaton. Absolutely. Like, oh, oh, if, if you can't see the clear connective tissue there, then I'm not doing my job. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, I actually, you know, I met you guys, uh, in at fan expo in Chicago last year and, yes. you know, you, you were you, the way that you guys, you know, like just tried to, you know, like do your best to sell like all your comics. I mean, you know, <laughs> like it was, it was really impressive, but I mean, like there, there is something to be said though, for, you know, like when you're there and there's, you're competing against every other person in art artist alley to get your comic out there. Uh, what do you do to stand out? I thought your face was familiar. I couldn't play. Okay. It was fan expo. That, that, that tracks. Okay. Um, we saw so many faces at fan expo. Um, so at conventions, uh, it can be difficult, especially at things like we found throughout going to all sorts of conventions that those big shows like Fan Expo might be a little too big for us anyway. Uh, we, we haven't quite hit the threshold where a Fan Expo makes sense, um, but uh, a mid-sized convention we do really, really well at. Like the, the Arkansas Comic Con that we go to every year from our home, home state, uh, we do gangbusters there, and it's a good medium-sized con. Um but when we get to well any con really uh it kind of depends where they put us because uh like at fan expo we were in 
Artist Alley, but Artist Alley was kind of shunted off into the back corner there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for me personally, whenever I'm in an Artist Alley, I don't necessarily feel like I'm having to compete all the time because we're all just there trying to make our art and, and have people look at it and, Wells and I will get up during the the con and go to other tables and be like, what are you guys, what kind of books are you making or or things like that? And we'll trade copies and things. So it's always fun to get to meet other artists and and kind of hang out with them. It's when we get set across from those guys who just like pull an image of Heath Ledger from online and then do like a translucent poster of it and they sell it for $30. (laughs) Like, we can't compete with that. Like the normies love that stuff and they want to go grab all of those cool posters and they don't want to look at the brand new comic book. That's right on the other side of them. So that, that is where the competition comes in and that does grind the gears, but to, to kind of stand out, I mean, it's not like we're trying to be carnival barkers. We're not trying to like, if I make eye contact with somebody to come, I'm like, Hey, what's up? We have a book. Are you interested in the book? And if not, then that's fine. Uh, I, I don't ever want to like pressure somebody into to buying a book. I just want to, I want some genuine interest. And in, so we can kind of talk about it. And, and maybe if they're wearing like, I don't know, somebody's sporting Hawkman merch. Like I'm a big Hawkman guy. So I'll be like, I never see Hawkman merch. Where did you get that? And then we can kind of go from there. It, it, so it, standing out is difficult in these big conventions, but I think as long as you uh, are approachable, and you're uh, just not hawking wares. You're actually just there to kind of, you know, support your book and and meet new people. I I, th- I think you're gonna you're gonna do fine. So that said, do you guys have any cons lined up so far for this year? We have a few. Uh, I know for sure Wells is going to be at C two E two, not as uh, a vendor, but he'll be there. And uh, I may or may not be there. Jury's still out. Uh, we have Arkansas Comic Con lined up. We go to that every year. I believe we have a St. Louis Con lined up as well. Uh, as of right now, those are about the only ones we have on the docket, but con season is going to start gearing up before long. So I'm out of Green Bay, so I'll probably be at the Madison, Wisconsin, or Milwaukee conventions. Uh, those were those were pretty good for us last year. And Wells is now in Chicago, so I'm sure there will be a whole host of conventions going on there that uh, – that will both pop up at. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, and if you guys are at C2E2, maybe we'll run into each other. Um, Here's hoping. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next for the two of you after uh, after the Kickstarter for Mechaton wraps up? Uh, we can sleep a little bit. That Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, now, after Mechaton wraps, we, uh, you know, we're already mostly done with issue four and five. Like four is basically we've got some coloring to do on Mechaton 4 and all the line art's done for issue 5 as well. So it's pretty much when the, the Kickstarter is done, we're not going to be that far out from having the books in hands, which is really great. We kind of, we, we jumped ahead on that one because we also know that we have that trade coming later in the year, hopefully. Uh, so that we're going to be hard at work in those. Uh, Frankenstein, the Unconquered number two, we're going to be getting in hands uh, soon as well. And then in the spring, we've got a brand new, Kickstarter coming out that uh, is our biggest project to date that is really terrifying to think about Uh, but we're also it's kind of the reason Wells and I even started working together in the first place that's kind of coming to fruition for the first time so we're very excited about it but also very nervous about it (laughs) nice Um, any 
anything that you can you know give us about that uh, upcoming Kickstarter or? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, we we've we've talked about it in some other places. Uh, it's a it's actually a graphic novel called Depths. It's uh, originally we had made it a a seven issue miniseries, uh, but each issue is like twenty eight pages, and the last issue is double size. So like it it's a massive project, two hundred twenty odd pages. So we decided to kind of split it in half at chapter four, which has a great kind of midway point, and now we're we're going to re be releasing it as a a graphic novel. Uh, it's about uh, a man who gets stuck at the bottom of the ocean for three years with a uh, like perpetual breathing device. It looks like a diving suit that kind of takes in water, converts it to oxygen, and uh, he gets lost at sea. So uh, the whole series is about him trying to kind of find his way home. It's about grief, and uh, it's about his, his friends on land trying to come to terms with the fact that he might be dead, or uh, should they go try and find him again? Uh, it's a super personal work. I wrote it when I was very depressed. So uh, it kind of bleeds through onto the page there. Uh, and it's it's one of the most exciting projects that uh, I've personally ever worked on. Nice. I, I'm already here for it. Yeah, it's it's much more literary than what we've done with Mechaton and, and Frankenstein. They Those two lean heavy into genre fiction and I love genre fiction. That's my bread and butter. But... Uh, but Depths is a bit more meaty. It, it has a little more to say about people. And uh, I don't know if, if, if maybe the genre fiction doesn't scratch the itch, maybe, maybe you lit heads will, uh, will find something to love about Depths. I sure hope so. So how can people find you online? Yeah. Uh, well, right here at Dalton K. Shannon, uh, I'm on Twitter uh, I'm on any social media that matters, but I'm probably most active on Twitter, and even that's something. I have a website at daltonkshannon.com, uh, and of course at the the Kickstarter for Mechaton issue four and five. Uh, it's actually it says Mechaton one through five because we offer the whole the whole set there. Uh, you'll be able to find us there. Wells is at Wells Thomp T H O M P, uh, and we have a newsletter as well uh, linked in my Twitter bio. Uh, comics, Cats, and Cocktails, where every month Wells and I kind of, uh, we send updates on all the projects we're working on. We kind of talk about the books that we're reading, uh, some cocktail recipes, and some some cat picks. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good little newsletter that doesn't flood your news box, your, your mailbox every three days or something. And what is better than comics, cats, and cocktails? I mean, that's uh, not, the perfect combination right there. We thought so. <laughs> All right. One last time, Dalton, uh, give us the rundown on the Kickstarter for Mechaton. Um, sell us on it. <laughs> All right. Mechaton issues one through five are available on Kickstarter right now. It's the end of an arc. Uh, if you like things like Scott Pilgrim or Pacific Rim, Godzilla, Power Rangers, Ultraman, all that cool stuff. Uh, if you love Toonami, this is like a lost Toonami cartoon, guys. Uh, a glove turns anything it punches into a giant mech. Uh, I, that's all you need, honestly. Uh, it's running for, uh, I think we have about 16 more days on the campaign. We're a little over halfway there. So if any of this sounded interesting to you, I sure hope it did, because, man, I, I'm having to hawk here. But <laughs> <laughs> then, then head on over to, uh, to Kickstarter and uh, see what tiers tickle your fancy. You can adopt a page, you can get a commission, uh, or if you love variant covers, we have them out the butt. So I, I, we hope to see you there. Oh, uh, and 
not, you know, like you, you didn't ask me to say this earlier or anything like that. I've been really excited about Mechaton. Um, and I, I finally pledged today. And one of the things that I'm most excited about, I added on a uh, hot dog mech sticker. Oh, yes. I love those. <laughs> so <laughs> I cannot wait for that. <laughs> yes. But, did you pick up issue one at uh, Fan Expo? I did. Did? All right. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. I picked up issue one and then I found out about the Kickstarters. I think it was, I think I missed out on issue two, mm-hmm. but the Kickstarter for issue three and, and I caught up. Uh, and so I had been actually like holding on to them. I hadn't read them until I knew about this interview and <laughs> yeah. I was like, perfect. So great yeah, timing. <laughs> exactly. But Dalton, thank you so much for, for chatting with me. This has been yeah. fantastic. Uh, get, get Mechaton guys. This it's, it's phenomenal. It really <laughs> is. Uh, can't wait. Well, Hey, thanks for having me. It's been great. That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>